welcome everyone to the next step on the road not taken. This is Discussing Trek. I am Kyle Jones, and allow me to say welcome back and thank you for choosing to spend some time with us discussing Trek. So who are we? Again, I am Kyle Jones, and I want to start by welcoming the gentleman who was not with us last week, who I was dying to have on my first Discussing Trek hosting show, Jonathan Shorts. Jonathan, welcome back. How are you? I am great, man, and I'm glad to be back. And I do truly apologize to you and all of the listeners that I was not here, but I am going to be here from now on, hopefully. And I'm excited to talk about this episode and excited to hear your thoughts on it, sir. Awesome. Well, glad to have you back and also glad to have back Carrie Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Just trying to wrap my head around all this Picard nonsense. <laughs> Ooh, <Uh-oh>. interesting. <laughs> How dare you? Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> wow. Okay. That sounds like uh, ready to delve into it, but we can't delve into it quite yet because there is another Mr. Brown in the house, Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you, my friend? And also for everyone listening, tell everyone what you always like telling them at the beginning of us discussing Trek. Oh, I like to tell them, thank you for subscribing. We are so glad you're here. And what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Glad to be on with you guys. And it should be a lot of fun. Indeed, indeed. Well, I'm already having fun. And unless you guys have anything else, we're about to get into the review. So Penance is the second episode of the second series of Star Trek Picard, first premiering on streaming platforms on the 10th of March, 2022. It starred Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard with Jerry Ryan, Michelle Hurd, Alison Peel, Evan Evagora, and Santiago Cabrera. Also featured is Annie Birching as the Borg Queen and John Delancey as Q. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So always with the beats of the episode, usually me, but this time, Clarence. Clarence, beats of the episode. What say you? Oh, man, I was going to write out something long and poetic, but I decided to keep it simple. In just a few words, I think we can sum up this hill in which Picard is in. Colombian roast. Black. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's another captain we know that would have loved to be in that hill. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That that was deep, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Clarence. So I want to go back now to Jonathan. So give me a summary view, Jonathan. High level view. What did you think of this episode? Ah, uh, man. I... I don't know. I guess I may get some pushback on this, but I think it's been my most favorite episode out of all of the new trick we watched. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Like, I don't know. Again, opinions. Everybody has them. But like to me, this is kind of the trick that I was hoping would be like what the new trick would be. And mm. I don't know if it's just because Picard is there or it's just the callbacks, but like, I just, I love this episode. It had me from the start to the end, and I want it more at the end. Interesting. Carrie, what what say ye? Oh, man. I was While I was watching this whole episode, I could do nothing but think of this 
the well pretty much the whole song but especially the chorus of this song by theo katzman who's a member of Volpec. if you guys are okay with me reading it i'd like to read it go for it okay the chorus goes just throw your punches and have no hesitance follow hunches in spite of evidence this old earth is just a private residence and you can be president wow <laughs> carrie with the alternate beats <laughs> interesting <laughs> all right clarence what say ye? Oh, man, you know me. I love the other ones to pieces, and this one is no different. Something about the direction and the writing in these first two episodes of Picard that have been so rich and engaging and just taking this this alternate universe storyline and done things that Trek fans could only dream of. And I have to say it, and I said this last week, but I have to make the comparison Discovery's writing is not been the best this season and you see what they're doing on Picard and it's just out of the freaking park, man. <laughs> so good. So I feel like I'm on discussing who right now because usually I follow up last and I usually say to you, Clarence, I'm going to talk about you and I'm going to talk about Lee Shackelford, our friend from discussing who and say, oh, well, I'm somewhere in between the t- two of you. Well, for this time, I'm going to say I'm right in the middle of the three of you because I agree with all three things that you guys said. I love this. This was awesome. It It is so what you said regarding the writing. The writing is awesome and totally, totally, totally agree with everything that you guys said. Oh, yeah. So I want to start in the beginning and go into the conversation that Q had with Picard. Clarence, I'll start with you. What did you think of the interaction between the two of them? Anything that we saw during that scene? So anything that is in that scene, feel free to take it away. What do you think of that scene? So much goodness in this first kind of long conversation between Q and Picard. They talk about this game that they've had since the very first episode of TNG of this trial that that Q has put Picard and therefore the human race on. And Picard has always lived up to the challenge and beat the game, so to speak. But this time it seems a bit different. Picard notices that Q is seems like his motivations have changed or that he's not quite right. So from this beginning scene, it just tells me that maybe what Q has in, this, in store this time is going to be a bit more personal to mm. Picard himself. And I can't wait to get more, you know, of that revelation. Just that whole interaction was so rich and meaty and some of the props and the the paintings and the skull to cut that we see. It's just <laughs> so good. <laughs> Mm. So, Jonathan, I wanted to let you focus because I know you're our historian. So what did you think of seeing the skulls? Did you like that? I absolutely loved it. And I played a little game with myself when we first opened the door. They focus in on the Ferengi skull and I'm like, huh? And they focus on the rest. I said, you know what? I bet you I can call each one of the aliens. Like, I didn't know who, who it would be, but like and I was right on point. But. I'd say that not to brag on myself, but to brag on the makeup, costume, designers and all that. Bravo. The skulls, even the Vulcan skulls. So like when they went to the Vulcan skull and he said it was Sarek, like I said, how are they going to differentiate this from a human skull? 
And I never really noticed until looking at that skull that the back of the head is like a bit more elongated yep. than mm-hmm. a normal human. And I don't think I've ever really noticed that until I seen that skull and then immediately flashes of like Spock, Sarek to Paul. Like I, I'm starting to think, you know what? That pretty much fits. Yeah. So kudos to the design staff that did it. And then just to add a cherry on top, they said gold to cot. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. General Martok, too. Yeah. Yeah. General Martok. I can't. I, that was kind of sad, man. We can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, Carrie, what did you think about the motivation between Q and Picard? Do you think that there's something else other than Q's usual game that's afoot? And specifically, what did you think of the slap? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to call it a punch. It was a freaking slap. It was a you-know-what slap. (laughs) Yes. I can't go into, like, the... um the symbolic nature of the scene because I just don't know enough about Star Trek. Like I recognize a couple people like Sarek, like I knew, I know who he is, but like one of the things that I got from this, this scene was just how raw it was, despite all like the fan service going around. Like, I don't know anything about Q and I'm like, wow, whatever's happened between these two people was not good. Like they really do not like each other. And as far as like the slap that just kind of played into that, like these are two people who, you know, everybody has that one person that they see a lot and they don't really care for. Yeah. (laughs) And this I mean, of course, the dialogue was not the same as one would use in everyday workplace banter or otherwise. But you could just tell that 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 emotion was the same. Like it's like these people just hate each other's guts. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so interesting when we talk about the games that Q plays with Picard and it, it, it seems different this time. He says, this is not a lesson. It's a penance or punishment. You know, what, what did Picard do? I, well, the thing I got from that for me, just not knowing anything was that like, I'm assuming at this point anyway, this is somebody who doesn't know anything, but I'm assuming whatever trial Q has had for him in the past, he's just knocked it out of the park. Part of it probably is just Q still just mad at him for not being able to like defeat him i guess maybe this is this this is somebody that he's never been able to beat i feel like this is his last hurrah like because you know Picard's getting old this is his last shot to to get him mm-hmm. but it could be more than that for sure so let me let, you remember like the very in the very first season of tng we have the introduction of Q and he puts Picard on trial as a placeholder for the human race. And he puts him on trial for atrocities committed by the human race previous to exploring space. Yeah. And he tells him at the end of that episode, the game is not over and it never will be. Mm. You And it's, it's kind of like a message of like, you may have won the battle, but never the war. Like the game will never end. And the game itself was a trial and that game continued throughout TNG. Yeah. The reason I love this episode so much is because and we kind of knew I mean, we knew Q was coming back. My hope was that we complete that circle started in the very first season. And Ooh. that's where we are. That's where we are. So the penance that we called it a game, but it was actually a trial. And mm. the conclusion of that trial, guilty or not guilty, there will be a penance to be served for. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. To reference Carrie, like you're absolutely right. You can see the hatred and the dislike between them. But 
it's a fine line. If there was a pro- a problem of the magnitude that we're going to see in this episode, I think Picard would rather have Q in this moment. There's been times that Picard hated every single interaction with Q, but it always ended up being a good thing for him. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a guess here. And this is completely hypothetical. Nothing I've read. This is just solely a guess. But I'm going to guess that Q is acting out of desperation, not out of his usual modus operandi. I feel like this season is going to challenge what we assume because I'm, we're going to get to a challenging of something of the enemy of my enemy in a little bit. But I'm not quite sold on the fact that he's still being Q. I think Q's afraid of something. I think it may have something to do with Picard's lineage. And the reason I say that is in that first speech in the last episode where Picard is talking to the cadets, he mentions great Picard's. And I'm wondering if it's some Mm. Picard roaming around in 2024 that maybe participated in World War Three or something that is not very becoming of a Picard. You think he was a Nazi or something? (laughs) Possible. For some reason, Trick has always kind of focused on the Nazi side of World War Two. Like that's always if we're talking about World War, they always focus on the bad guys, the Nazis. So I'm sure that'll be tied in. But what also kind of concerns me, it seems like Q is worried. Yep. And we've seen this look a couple of times before. Once before, I think it was Chainway where they were trying to banish Q for something he had done. Yep. And he needed her help. And he still kind of came across as I'm the same old Q doing my same old things and I'm in control. But really, he wasn't. and He needed help. And the second time was when the Q continuum was at war. And I think that was in Voyager. Yep. And he kind of brought them in and kind of played it off as like a old old battle scene from like the Civil War or something. But those two times, those interactions, you could see kind of a look of concern on Q's face that you don't normally see. Usually you see him as the omnipotent. I can do anything. I'm not scared of anything. I'll never die. But and even Picard mentions it. You're not well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned Nazi, but this this was more like something American. I'm sure Kyle's going to get into a little bit later, but man, I can't wait to talk. About yeah. That. Yeah. So the last thing that I want to say about Q before we move on, I did like breaking the fourth wall in the sense of he calls back not an event, but an episode title in yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. Yep. And I, and, and I know that normally that's probably frowned upon, but the fact that it's Q and he's omnipotent, yeah, he probably watches Star Trek on his Q continuum television. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, and I think we mentioned that last week, too, when we did our, our review, mentioned that episode. Awesome. All right, so let's get into what we are talking about in regards to Clarence saying that we'll get to it in a minute, which is the Confederation of Earth. And I want to read something real quick. And then, Carrie, I want you to start with us and give us what you think of this. We subjugated savage civilizations, boldly conquered warlike alien worlds, increased the wealth and resources for future generations of humanity, a safe 
galaxy is a human galaxy. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the first thought is that could have been like the the spill at the beginning of a alternate Star Trek: The Next Generation intro. Like it <laughs> it, re- it reads like yeah. the Boley go. You know, it it has that that air to it. Other than that, yeah, the genocide genocidal like um Nazi rhetoric that definitely stood out. But I mean, it's just like that's what I thought this whole episode. I was like. The whole earth is basically human Nazis, basically. I love the way that they're making this. We didn't go to the mirror universe, but it is the mirror universe. And that, that I, I love that. I absolutely love it. Not once. But I mean, Q mentions it at the top. Kind of. I mean, he says into the mirror darkly we go, but we know who holds the glass. Oh. But just just to just to clarify here, just for me, when he says that. This is an alternate timeline, then. Correct. Not the mirror universe. This is the same timeline. So, like, the the previous timeline before they jumped just doesn't exist anywhere anymore. Yep. We're still in the prime. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I understood that. So, look at it. And the easy way to remember this or think of this is if we were in a mirror universe there would be mirrors of Picard, Girardi, et cetera, and so forth. We are seeing the changed histories for Picard, Girardi's, et cetera, and so forth. So something basically tells me that this is the same Picard that did all this murderous stuff and something happened to him or to like his, well, his lineage that caused their whole ideology to change because like, those ideals aren't his. They were given to him by his mother. They showed us in like the last episode. All that stuff was passed down. And here we go with this timey, whimey stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's always confusing. But so I guess I'm asking you guys at the end, they kind of say Q kind of took them, went back in time, changed one thing that altered it and then took them to the present. No, I think he just went back and altered something in the past and their present changed like just like the Marty McFly vanishing. Because they weren't on the picture. ship. I'm not quite sure that he changed something. Huh. Mm. Something changed. We There was something that changed and altered time. Who and what, I'm not quite sure myself. I mean, all I'll say is the board queen sure is doing a lot of smiling. Like, I think she, I think she's the one. Like, I swear, I think she's the one to jump them back. I don't think it was Q. Mm. Well, we know Borg was the first kind of alien that Q introduced the Enterprise to. So, and Carrie, remember what we were talking about last week? I think you're spot on because we were talking about last week the Borg queen saying, "Look up." Mm-hmm. And they repeated mm. it in the preview, so we know it's significant. And that's mm-hmm. what his mom told him in that flashback. Bingo, bingo. So the board queen could be his mom? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think it's being too well written for it to be that big of a... I think that's just a red herring. I, did, I truly don't think it's the mother. Truly, truly, truly. Well, how would she know to say that so intimately? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I feel like at the very least she had to have been assimilated or something. The very least. That could be possible. Even if she's not the queen, she's got those memories. Yep. So, Jonathan, during the conversation on the Confederation of Earth, we get a mention, a nod to General Sisko. And I'm pointing this to you because you're our (laughs) DS9 
fan thoughts? I don't know what to think, man. We're going to have to get more. But I just, the fact that they mentioned his name in it, like I was overjoyed for it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> let me tell you, if if General Cisco is a general in this er- in this timeline, <laughs> like he's going to be a beast. Yeah. Can, like I, I can't imagine like they're they're worshiping Picard. But man, what has Cisco done? Whew. Cisco didn't play in the regular world. You know what I'm saying? He he was quite yeah serious he, and yeah. N- all all serious, no jokes in the regular world. I know that when um he mentioned Cisco and she was like, nah, no joke was like, no, Carl, Carl, Carl. <laughs> yes. But you know, it's funny they mentioned that, you know, Cisco is one of the only captains that never really played along with Q. Like if you could think of someone who actually just kind of controlled Q, it was Cisco. Like Picard and Janeway, they both kind of figured out it's best to play his game and get through it. And then we get away from him. But Cisco was like, like matter of like Q put him in like this boxing ring and Cisco like punched him in the face. <laughs> and Q said, Picard never hit me. <laughs> but yeah, Cisco was just serious. He's like, I'm not playing this game. Screw you, man. That's hilarious. So Clarence, what did you think of the concept? And I'm sticking on this Confederation of Earth for a moment. This concept that they have of eradication day yeah definitely playing on the nazi themes from times past but also you know that name going from federation to confederation which you know that's similar to some things here in america if you want to think about it also the notion that all aliens are either eradicated or subjugated as slaves which it just kind of broke my heart to see the people at the picard chateau picard being basically slaves for him you know i know that really hurt picard as well so yeah this is a very very different future and you know if you talk about what world war three was with uh xenophobic tendencies and not welcome welcoming aliens into earth or onto earth you know that is this is kind of sort of the same themes kind of taken to the thousand degree where not only are you not welcome here, but we're going to do our best to eradicate your civilizations. Mm. I will, before I open the table to anybody else that wants to say something, the thing that got me about this was this whole eradication day, the Confederation of Earth. It was, you know, in the last six or four, three, however many years as of 2022, worldwide, We've seen more and more shifts to a populist type mentality and this idea of if you are the same, you are greater. But if you're not the same, you are alien, you are bad, you are you're not as good as is whatever. It's really creepy to some degree when you see your things that you're watching or see things that you're watching and they echo back to what reality is. And that's kind of scary to some degree. Yeah. So I, I agree with everything you said, Clarence, and I'm curious, Carrie and Jonathan, any thoughts that you have on Eradication Day or the Confederation in general? I had so many thoughts about this could be what happens if we don't change the way yeah. <laughs> we live. Like, that's, like that was an immediate thought. Like, the more I saw this world, I was like, this looks like our current world 
if um we encountered alien life, we would just try <laughs> to kill them. We wouldn't try to, you know. Exactly. We just need something as as humans. We just need something that we all can direct our hate and vitriol and anger to, and then we can do anything. And that's what <laughs> that's what this looked like to me. It made me really sad. <laughs> really sad. So number one, I want to just kind of kudos again to the writer staff. For, you know, we got eradication day, and I kind of kin that to that's kind of like the flip side of first contact day. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you know, normally a good the good the way we ended up being was first contact day. We celebrate embracing new cultures, new alien life, and in this timeline, it's eradication day. Like Harry said, we're getting rid of what we don't understand or what we fear. Like that, that was a good play on the first contact day. And Carrie, you're absolutely right. The Confederation, like, and how timely is this with all that's going on with Russia and Ukraine? It's yeah. just, it, it's too many things reminiscent of our current time in this episode. And it should be a warning. It's not that hard. It's not that far of a step to be a Confederation. Yep. Very well said, all of you. Very well said. So let's move on a little bit and let's talk about the revelations that everyone kept their memories. And I want to start with Annika Hansen, also known as Seven of Nine. And Clarence, I'll start with you. Annika Hansen, what did you think of the scene where she wakes up and realizes something's different? It it, it really just made me think of how far... Jerry Ryan and his character have come since seeing her first emerge as a Borg from a Borg in in Voyager. You know, all these years later, but she's like a human, full, well, full, you know, no Borg implants. So yeah, it's just really interesting to see that. Now it does take us back to try to figure out like why just the people who are on the bridge of the Stargazer still have their memories, which kind of makes you think maybe Q had something to do with it. But still, just to see her in her element, and of course, Jerry Ryan is fabulous. I thought she just did a stellar stellar job. And even to speak about how each of the members of our crew kind of awaken and figure out things. I really like how that was laid out throughout their scenes. So before I move on to everyone else, was there anyone whose scene that you thought was particularly well done or not particularly well done? I really can't complain about any of them. I thought all of them were doing exactly what they should have been doing in this situation, probably. <laughs> it is it's sad to say that Annika would be the president. And, and you know, of course, Rafi is, is part of the Confederation as well. But that makes sense of what they'd be doing in this situation. So, yeah, I, I thought they were just all in the right space. And even when you look and see what Rios was out there leading this squadron of look like something from Star Wars or something. <laughs> just all great stuff. All great stuff, man. All right. Jonathan, what about you? What did you think? And and you can not focus on Seven of Nine if you want. If there's someone else you would rather focus on, please do. But what did you think of them realizing that they all knew each other and had their memories? Oh, the first thing, I mean, I have to agree with Clarence. I can't really say one was better than the other. Other than, you know, just we go back to Annika's being there was so much more story to her awakening in that moment. But I mean, they were all all so very good and so very well done. I I, I can't complain about much of any of them. I do say I, and I don't know if it's a complaint. 
I think it was good. I think it, I think they should. There was no other way to do it. But like conveniently, everybody was in the right place. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. And, and it kind of had to be It kind of had to happen. And it was a good thing. Like, I'm surprised. And this was, again, good writing. You know, you would have normally thought if you're going to do this, we're going to make Picard the president. You yep. know, that would have been a logical choice, but they made Annika. And I thought that was amazing. That was a great twist that I wouldn't I would not have expected. Nice. Carrie, what do you say? Well, I mean, of all the scenes, I thought that honestly, this is going to sound hammy, but like, obviously, Picard's was the best one, even though it happened in the last episode. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, the only reason I say that is because, like, he actually had somebody there to, like, tell him what was happening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The other people were just kind of, like, stuck to figure it out. Like, I I, I, I don't know. It would have been hilarious if, you know, he would have let Picard go on without, like, without knowing anything for, like, a while before he came and talked to him. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I really liked, is it is his name Rios? Yeah, Rios. Yeah. Yes. I really liked his just because other people got, they were asleep at a desk or like, you know, they, they weren't doing anything. And then he gets warped in and he's like <laughs> dog fighting. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, whoa. <laughs> and he handled his best. Like he just jumped right yeah. on in and did, did what he had to do. Like he, he had no idea what was going on with like, Hey, I'm in this situation. I might as well play the part. Yeah. 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 So his was probably my favorite one. And, and John, speaking of playing the parts, you, you've mentioned before about you like when they're on the holodeck and they're playing different characters. I think this was a great example of seeing our characters that we know from last season having to kind of put on an act <laughs> in the real world. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And again, highlighting the skill of each actor to be able to do these different parts and do them so well that it, that was very, very much. I'm very much glad to see that. Yep. So the only thing I would add to that is whoever directed this episode and the way they shot the scene, specifically with Seven of Nine, when she's waking up and the way she's laying, it's her face is resting in the way they have her hair in front of her eye. You don't know until she gets up that that yeah. eye is okay, that there's not the implant, that the implant is gone. I think the way that was staged and shot and everything a plus, awesome, wonderful. And let me add before you move on, I think Doug Arianoski is becoming one of my favorite Star Trek directors. I know he's directed some of the Discovery episodes as well, but he's knocked these first two episodes out of the park. And Clarence, since you mentioned that, you know, we've often recently in discussing who talked about the music and the lack of the music in the last couple of years compared to years previous. Whoever is writing this score Specifically, the point that I'm talking about is when Gerardi is trying to get through all the calculations that she needs to do. The score behind that was kind of, you know, taking you along with her. Yeah. So whoever's <laughs> writing the music, kudos, kudos, kudos. And the intro. So they did yes. a slight change to kind of make it seem more like that mirror universe theme. That was really good. And they actually made your boy cool. What's Elnor? Yeah, Elnor. Elnor got him on nerves last <laughs> season. He's, he's so much better real well written this season, man. Even though he still can't understand sarcasm. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I still like Elnor. Can't, can't take that away from me. Yeah, I like him. And a fight uh, scene. I'm sure we'll get to that. But So the last comment that, or the last topic that I have before I have two final questions is 
the enemy of my enemy. And Carrie, I want to put this to you first. We're getting aligned or we're aligning ourselves with the Borg Queen. Is this disaster waiting to happen or is this salvation? Well, I think it's both. I think you can trust people to be who they are, but at the same time, she's the last of her race. She wants to fix the timeline just as much as they do. And I'm telling you, man, it's the Borg. Man, it's something with the Borg Queen. <laughs> like, I, I don't even believe necessarily believe this Borg Queen is the same Borg Queen that went on their ship because their their minds are already linked. They went through quite an effort to discuss how she's aware of what's happening. Yeah. But only thing that freaks me out about this, if it is really another timeline, then how can that how can she still do that? I mean, if it's that's the part that why I hate tra- time travel or whatever this is, I start thinking about how is it possible for her to do that? or for them to retain their memories if none of that stuff ever actually happened and my head starts to hurt. (laughs) Reality has been split. There is division. Time has been broken. That's what she said. All right, guys, any other thoughts on the Borg Queen and aligning ourselves? I just, I kind of agree with Carrie that, yeah, it's the Borg Queen, but it's the enemy we know. And who better else to team up with? Like, And we know the Borg are there. They are highly consistent. So you know what she's going to do. Like you can assume. And then you have seven standing right there. She knows more about it than anybody. So why not align yourself? If you need power, that's the most powerful ally you can find right now. Awesome. All right. So final question before we get into ratings. So this is open for everyone. If you had to pick one scene of the episode that stood out to you, what scene would that be and why? And Clarence, why don't you go first? Oh, man. I really liked what was going on in the lab from Gerardi seeing her with her cat robot, what she called it, Spot 73. <laughs> She's really not my favorite character, but I think she did a good job, especially when the Seven's uh, husband came in there. She did a good job of improvising. So, you know, as much as I don't like the character, I thought all the lab scenes were pretty well done and she did a great job in it. And it was it was cool to see the Borg Queen and see Picard and Seven coming there and question her. So... I really enjoyed that scene. But let's also mention, let's also mention before we get too far, that we need the Borg Queen later if we're going to go into the past because of the location and the slingshot effect, which that's a throwback to TOS, of course. But yeah, that's that's it for me. All right. Carrie, what about you? My favorite scene was not just one scene, but every time this happened, I just was like, something's there. every time they focused their the camera on the board queen and she just had that smirk yeah <laughs> she had this smirk like dance puppets <laughs> it was just like yeah the board queen yeah she was good all right jonathan what about you so i have two and the first one is going to be kind of a cop-out but my favorite scene was the interaction when q slapped picard and we talked about that already <laughs> but that's like out of their whole interaction throughout the past that's just something you never would have saw coming yeah and that was that was just kind of like that kind of woke everybody up, like just hardcore trickies. Like to see that you're like, oh, this is not going to be the same interaction. Yeah. So that was one. And number two, the lie on the fly that Gerardi did <laughs> to yeah. when she was talking to the magistrate. That was that was awesome. <laughs> I liked it. And let me throw in an honorable mention real quick. Uh, I love the propaganda scene from Picard from Bad Picard. He was looking and Kyle, I think you quoted from it earlier. But I thought the prop propaganda scene, he's like, come join us from the Confederation. Yeah. 
That was really well done. Indeed. So for me, my favorite one was use Elnor as a punching bag until she says you can kill them all. <laughs> yes. And he used the cum badges to kill some folks, man. I'm just like, she was like, here you go, guys. And she didn't even turn around. And it was like, <laughs> yes. so good. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to start this with you. I want you to give me a final rating. What did you think of this episode? One to five. What did you think? My highest five yet. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Very cool. Carrie Brown, what say you? Uh, I'll probably go with, um, I'll probably give it like, a, I guess a 4.75 maybe. Like, I, I thought it was very good, much better than the last episode. But there were still a few things where I was just like, mm, okay. But, you know, it was good. I say that's very high considering the fact I know you don't give fives. So, <laughs> awesome. Clarence, what say ye? Oh, man, five out of the way, dude. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So, everyone listening, if you want to hear mine, just replay the last 10 seconds of this, of what Clarence just <laughs> said. That's mine. Five. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Oh, man, y'all going to kick me off for bringing the averages down. <laughs> no, I, Carrie, I, have, I just have to say, for you to give it a 4.75 without <laughs> a lot of TNG history or Trek history, like... I think a lot of the reason why I'm five and probably Clarence is five is the callbacks were great and like the references were great and like what we know of the past and for it to still be good to you to a 4.75 speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, dude, like I'm just going to say like it's funny you say that because I watched it when I was watching the first episode, I got bored a couple times with like some of the exposition like i it, i just got bored but with this episode i i never felt like that once so yeah yeah that's awesome 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 well since we're awesome awesome i want to say for everyone listening thank you it's awesome that you have spent the last 45 minutes of your time with us we appreciate it come back next week we will be back with more picard and as always live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at discussingwho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.